This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. We all know what happened 18 years ago in this country, and uh, it, it'll never be forgotten. It never should be forgotten. Uh, I just wanted to start the show off uh, just by uh, um, just letting everybody know that we remember what happened that day, and uh, our heart still goes out to everybody that was affected. We were all affected as Americans, so uh, um, this day will always have... Um, you know, special significance in our country. Um, Ohio State football will always have special significance. Uh, not to try to compare it to, to that day, but uh, let's let's move on and talk Ohio State football backs. Um, Justin Fields, there's so much to like about him. I think my favorite attribute might be his poise. I mean, you know, there's you know when I was a kid and like you know coaches would say stuff like or you hit stuff on TV like sports is 90% mental and 10% physical. I'd be like, well, that's a bunch of nonsense. Um, and the older I get, the more and more I believe that. Um, maybe not 90-10, but Justin Fields because he's got all the physical at you know physical attributes, but his poise reminds me a lot of Dwayne Haskins in, in that respect. Just um, you know, what are you seeing out of Justin Fields? And do you agree maybe his poise is you know one of his best attributes? Yeah, I would agree on that. I think mentally Justin Fields is a pretty tough kid. Uh, It's a good reason as to why he's ahead of where both of us believed he would be two weeks into the season. Uh, I know that uh, most observers expected Justin Fields to get to this level eventually, but it's hard to see him improving because he's already so good. It's not like, you know, well, he could do this better. You know, he's got to be more careful with the football or, you know, no, he's making the reads. He's making good decisions. He's not turning the ball over. He's scoring touchdowns. I mean, like, if you want to nitpick about how much better he can get, you're talking about maybe a little bit more in the run game he'll keep the ball, but that's kind of strategic to keep him from running too much. Uh, I, I think it's very clear his preparation has been there. And that aspect of, of, of not just sports but life is a critical factor. You know, you do the mental work to prepare yourself. You get yourself just ready to go ahead of time, and you're in a much better position to succeed. It it goes back to the whole thing about sports is a metaphor for life, right? And usually the more prepared person, the the person who wants it more, is going to have a better chance to win. Um, I I am very impressed with what we've seen so far at Fields. And I know that over the course of the summer, every time somebody wanted to talk about Justin Fields, I'd kind of wave it off like, yeah, we know he's going to be the starter, whatever, right? It's hard not to talk about him now because he's been as good as any quarterback in the country through two weeks. And if that's the level of play and the continued level of preparation we're going to see from him, then it's hard to see anybody on the schedule 
outside of maybe a Wisconsin hanging with this team because Fields clearly has this team operating at a very high level at a very early point in the year. Yeah, he's way ahead of where not, – not way ahead. He's ahead of where I thought he would be in his development. It's not like he's light years ahead. I thought he'd be good, but he looks great. Um, and, you know, it's still a small sample size. I keep pointing that out, you know. But still, I mean, football is not – you know, as we all know, it's the most condensed season of any uh, – you know, the fewest amount of games of any sport we follow. I mean, we're already one-sixth of the way through the regular season. So you can look at it two ways. You can say, well, it's very early, small sample size, or – Two games in football, you learn a lot, and I, I think we've learned a lot. Um, Buckeye running backs, um, what do you make of the situation? J.K. Dobbins looked good, looked a lot better than the opener. I think they probably lit a fire under his rear end uh, in practice. Um, and I thought Master Teague looked good. Master Crowley, or Master Crowley. Uh, that'd be funny if we had you know, two Masters on the team. Marcus Crowley's, uh, you know, there was a lot of hype about him in uh, camp. And I, I think he's looked good backs, but I think it's just, you know, right now they're going to go with, uh, obviously, Dobbins and Teague, and they're going to mix Demario McCall in. Just what do you make of the running back situation after two games? Well, first of all, if we're screwing up his first name, it should be Mr. Crowley, okay? Then he can have his own Aussie intro. But uh, <laughs> I think the uh, – I think the running back situation is it's much more interesting than I expected because uh, I've been a huge fan of Demario McCall. I don't think we're going to see him not play a role in this offense, but it's hard to deny how good Master Teague's been when he's gotten in there. And he's kind of the guy in camp we didn't talk about because he was always hurt, and we kind of like, all right, so much for him, right? He's two straight games when he's got on the field. He's ran hard. He's ran well. Uh, he looks like a guy who could be a significant contributor. Uh, I, I think we have to feel really good about the depth on this OSU team right now at the tailback position because obviously Dobbins played a significantly better game against UC than he did against Florida Atlantic. He hit the correct holes. You know, you saw him run, running people over. I was very pleased with what we saw from Dobbins in, in the, the UC game. But Master Teague, the guy who's got that whole package, right, and he's a player that we've talked about for a while of, man, if he gets on the field, he was a really highly touted kid. He's got that 4-3 speed according to the, the spring running times. He's a player who can do it all. He, if anybody is your traditional bell cow back on this roster right now, it's Master T. And we've seen flashes from him in two games that he could be a darn effective guy. So as a number two, yes, he's not going to get as many carries as Dobbins, but he's the kind of guy if something happens to J.K., you'd feel pretty reasonable right now about carrying the load. On top of that, like you said, a guy who has potential to be a good player in, in certain situations, certainly going to be a good one down the line. Uh, you got a guy like Steel Chambers, who we saw get up the field, and that was a good thing. Uh, and on top of that, we still have Run DMC, who at this year is going to make a, a critical play. And I don't know if it's going to be coming out of the backfield, I don't know if it's going to be hitting a big home run. But my guess might be even returning a kick. But I think you've got, I just mentioned, four who are very capable tailbacks on this roster. And before, we were worried you didn't have two. So I think OSU's tailback situation is in really good hands, and I think we're going to see a lot of those guys get some more run these next two weeks because they're games that aren't going to be that close. Baron Browning, um, is it time to get excited about Baron Browning in your mind? Yes. I hadn't seen him play one good game in his entire career before this season. Now I've seen him play two good ones in a row. To me, that's, that, that's a very clear change. Not only is it a new defense, it's a new coaching staff, but Baron Browning doesn't look like he's sitting out there trying to do a math problem before he goes after the football. Like, 
he's reacting. He's playing like a football player. And with his copious physical abilities, there's a reason the kid was the number one linebacker in the country, right? He looks like a, a big-time football player these first two games. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am about that. Uh, and he's a guy that both you and I have been saying for a while. We weren't really sure what to think of him, you know, whether he was going to be a good middle linebacker, yada, 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 yada. Well, when the defense was made uh, a lot more simple here, the scheme changed. Baron Browning is all of a sudden not out there trying to make sure he has one of 74 assignments covered. He's just playing football, and he looks great doing it. So uh, I'm in on the Baron Browning hype train. I'm also in on the Pete Werner hype train. He's a guy who I, I thought struggled a lot last year. And it's amazing how much better he looks with a more simplified scheme and better coaching. I mean, gee, it's hard to figure out what the problem was last year. Wait, no, no, it isn't. It's a, you change the coaching staff, you have the exact same players, you have significantly improved performance, you know what the problem was. I think the linebackers for OSU this year are looking way better, and that's a great sign for this defense continuing to move back towards being one of the best in the country. Big Ten opener at Indiana on Saturday. Um, any concerns at all? Well, Indiana's a team that, when Kevin Wilson was there, was always very scary. Now, I know a lot of us are still scarred by a couple of those games that were way too close for comfort. On the flip side, Indiana has not beaten Ohio State since Ronald Reagan was president. So <laughs> I think your cause for concern is, is very low. I, look, IU's not horrible. They have an outside chance to get to 6-6 six and six this year. They had a nice game last week beating up on a cupcake opponent. Uh, the first week of the season, they played Ball State a little tight, and then they ended up winning, so they're 2-0. and In general, the Big Ten this year, even the bottom-level teams look pretty good, but Indiana's not on the same plane as OSU. I, don't think, I think Indiana's not even as good as Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati would beat Indiana, and it would be a good game, but I think Indiana would lose to them. So for us, this is going to be interesting because it's a first test for fields on the road, even though the crowd's going to be 80% OSU fans. It's still different routine. It's staying in a hotel. It's all that whole process of preparation away from your comfort zone. On top of that, it's a conference game, so there's a little more importance placed on it. And thirdly, how do they react to success? We saw in the first game, after they had a ton of success in the first quarter, we had a significant letdown. And the team struggled the last three quarters against FAU. We saw a complete game last week. But is this team going to have the maturity – to show up and take care of business like an elite team should, or are they going to mess around and win 45-28? That's the big question to me. Is, is OSU going to go out and win 50-10 and show that they're a focused team that's ready to take care of business every week, or are they going to go out and show that maybe there's some maturity issues and win 45-28? And if they have one of those games that's, that's you know, yay, we won, but it's not, like, uh, perfect, it's, not one, it's one of those games that, the OSU fans who want us to win every game 50 to nothing are spitting in fury because you only win by 17, then guess what? There is potential at that point for me to believe that this team may not be as mentally mature as they need to be. And down the line, the potential for a letdown game may be there. But if they go out and they lay a smackdown and they take care of business and come back home with a solid, strong win, kind of like what we saw against Cincy, then it's going to tell me that this team's mental preparation is where it needs to be to be a great team on a consistent basis. And they will need that starting in October because OSU right now has more ranked opponents left on its schedule than any team in America with five. So, yeah, this game itself in a, in a vacuum is not a big deal. But this game inside of the big picture is a much bigger deal. And that's the stuff I'm going to be most interested to see is 
which way does OSU take care of business? Because no matter what, in my mind, they're coming back from Bloomington with a W. Michigan looked awful against Army. Now, Army is good, uh, but uh, Michigan, perennial, overrated. Uh, this year looks no different today. You're know, vastly overrated. Just your thoughts on what you've uh, witnessed from the Wolverines. I'm so disappointed Army didn't beat them. Um, it was like watching a Michigan bowl game, right? My rule for any time they play in a bowl game is I, I, I just kind of watch what happens. I, I, I always have a good outcome, right? Because if they win, then all right, well, good for the Big Ten. But if they lose, it's hilarious, right? So this is one that I know me and a lot of other people have been talking about since the summer. Oh, Army's going to upset them. Army's going to upset them. And my goodness, Army should have upset them. Uh, I have to say, through two weeks, Shea Patterson has five fumbles. Their offense looks no different. I don't care what they did in camp. It's clear Harbaugh's not comfortable doing anything other than running the football between the tackles. And on that team, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed whatsoever. And right now, I think Wisconsin drills them in two weeks. Wisconsin's come out of the gates looking awesome. It's 110 to nothing in two games for them. Michigan's Bumbling by scrub team week one. And then week two, they're trying to give the game to an admittedly decent Army team. Now, let me say one other thing here. Everybody's going to compare that to Oklahoma a year ago, where Army took Oklahoma to overtime as well. That's a big difference. Army in that Oklahoma game possessed the ball the entire time. Oklahoma scored on like three out of four or five possessions. Michigan fumbled the ball away repeatedly against Army, but their defense did a reasonable job slowing down Army. It wasn't like Army held the ball for 14 out of 15 minutes, right? Michigan's offense just stunk. That game did not need to go to overtime. And to Army's credit, they forced double overtime. And I'll tell you what, that Michigan O-line does not look good. They had one play where Shea Patterson fumbled the ball where their left tackle got turnstiled by a skinny little six foot one guy. What's going to happen when – when you got Tyreek Smith or, or, or Chase Young coming around the corner on that one, Michigan looks like they're going to have a rough year. I mean, 8-4 and kind of rough if something doesn't change with that offense. And, candidly, what more do you expect from the most overrated team every single damn year for the last 15 years? Nothing's changed in Ann Arbor, and nothing will change as long as Harbaugh's there. He's not anything more than – he's going to end up being their Earl Bruce – Nine and three every year. That's what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. And that's fine because they'll have no way to fire him. It's whenever he decides he wants to go back to the NFL. And until then, he'll do the same thing and he'll lose to OSU every year. And to me, at this point, the game's a foregone conclusion on the OSU schedule. I'm a lot more concerned about other games that we have coming up instead of that one. Let's close the show with some quick recruiting talk. Buckeyes picked up uh, the number three inside linebacker in the country in the 2021 class yesterday, Reed Carrico. From Ironton, Ohio, they're now third in the country. The Buckeyes are in the 2021 class. They have five commitments. And for those that are wondering, they're fourth in the 2020 class with 22 commitments. So the beat goes on for recruiting. But the Buckeyes getting Reed Carrico, not a surprise, but still really good, backs. Yeah, there was a little scuttlebutt about Clemson. Apparently somebody who went to his high school in the past was a former Clemson Tiger. But in the end, Ironton is an Ohio State town. It's kind of like Dayton. It's an OSU town, right? And I, I can't say I'm surprised, but I am excited. And if you look at what's going on next year in the state of Ohio, it's one of the strongest years for recruiting in Ohio in a long time. There's a lot of top-end talent in next year's class. And 
right now OSU has four of the top four or five in Ohio already locked up. Uh, you know, that's a, that's the kind of thing you want to see in a year where Ohio is way up. Like, for I think the preliminary ratings have something like 10 four-star kids in Ohio next year already, and you know they're going to find a few more when it's all said and done. So right now that recruiting class is four of the top five kids in Ohio and Kyle McCord, who was their top choice for quarterback in the entire country. That's a darn good start for Ryan Day's second, I guess, full year as a recruiter, right? And, you know, these are – yes, it's a foregone conclusion, but those of you who know your history know that this is not a small deal, right? Because if you don't know your history in the Cooper years, then you are condemned to repeat it where the best players in Ohio left the state of Ohio, and Ohio State was burned by it. Ohio State is not losing the best players in Ohio. They have not under Trestle. They have not under Meyer. And as next year shows, they are not under Ryan Day either. And that's really what you have to expect from any OSU recruiting class. And I know the playbook's changed a little bit in recruiting from the past. In the past, it used to be get all the best Ohio kids and grab a couple kids from outside the state. Now it's get the absolute elite Ohio kids. Instead of the top 12, you get the top 7 or 8. And then you go and you load up from the rest of the country because recruiting's become more national. But you still have to make sure that those best kids here stay here. And Reed Carrico is a kid who grew up a Buckeye. He grew up wanting to be a Buckeye, right? And the fact that he's an elite recruit and it pairs with his, you know, family raising him to be a Buckeye is perfect. He's the kind of guy that we're going to love for years, right? He has an A.J. Hawk kind of career written all over him. So I'm very excited about this commitment. It's a great sign for things to come with OSU. And in the end, the machine keeps humming. And that's that's the biggest thing with the Ryan Day transition is, is everything else going to keep continuing the way that was so successful under Urban, right? Our big picture of Ryan Day was he's a little smilier. He's a little more offensively dynamic at this point in time than Urban was. But you want everything else to stay the same because Urban was awesome. And, you know, keeping kids like Carrico just shows that Ryan Day is carrying over many of the system uh, pieces that have made the OSU program the best in the Midwest and one of the best in the entire country. Great stuff, as always, from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. I appreciate it, Bax, and thanks to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. We'll try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.